In the Springs, episode number 83, Colorado Springs' own Circaic. Enjoy. Can I hear my? Yeah, well, hey, can definitely yeah, hear myself. Nice, yeah. There you are, son. <laughs> nice. All right, so I've got uh, Josh and Michael with Circaic. Did I say it right? Yes, you, you did. did. All right. I'm, That's probably one of the first times <laughs> I've heard it said right. <laughs> well, I, right. I did a little digging and I saw it was a mashup of archaic and circadian. Right. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to figure this out. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just hooked on phonics. 
All right, and then uh, who are we missing? So Josh, your guitar. Correct. And then Michael, your bass. Correct. All right, and who else uh, kind of rounds out the group? We got Brian, uh, vocals, um, Hoken, our drummer, and Cody Dale. Nice. He's our keyboard player, and we have Jared Hausman from Helleboris Execration. He's filling in on guitar for Life Situation for at the moment. Oh, very cool. So Nice. Okay, well then with uh, uh, Hawken, that's how you say your... Hoken. 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 Okay, yeah. so that, that legitimizes your, you know, like Norwegian death metal yes. vibe. Having, <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's, he's got the umlauts. Yeah, he was actually yeah, yeah. born there and had to get his citizenship over here and <laughs> nice. all that good stuff. Nice, dude. Well, tell me a little bit about um, Circaic, like how you guys came together. Obviously, you're involved in other projects. Um, and now, are you based? You're based here in the Springs, yes? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, how did the Circaic come to be? Well, basically, is like um, most of us are ex-members of a band called Frozen Eternity. Um, after we all, like uh, Josh, was starting to write new material, and it wasn't really fitting that band's style. So then, you know, we're working with this new material, or they were working with this new material and um, decided it's like, yeah, you have to have a fresh start, you know, new name, all that stuff. So that's when uh, Cody Dale, I believe, was the one that came up with Circaic after they were trying to come up with names, right? Uh, Cody actually came up with Circadian or Circadia or something like that, and it was, it was already taken, obviously. So we just had to mash up a couple words, and it just fit really well, Circadian Rhythm and Archaic, and our singer actually came up with that. So here we are. Nice. So <laughs> now what would you describe the sound of Frozen Eternity and how is it different from what you guys are playing now? Frozen Eternity was a little more old school mellow death like you would hear like back in the day, like the early pioneers out of the Scandinavian states. So, so kind of that doom metal sort of. Yeah, and a little more straight forth kind of thing where, you know, it still, it still has like a few complex melodies and stuff, but it's a little more bare bones on the rhythm end. So you got, you know, your three chord choruses, things like that, versus now with Circaic, it's a little more all over the place. Like, yeah, you got your, you know, you have your basic chord ideas, but just the fingerings you're doing and all that, it's like way more technical and it's just so more advanced and it even has elements where it's a lot more progressive on some of the songs where it's not just doing the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, solo section kind of thing. It's yeah. like, there's actually a progression to it. So what was the challenge for you guys kind of transitioning into that more uh, intricate music? I mean, was it a challenge? I don't think it was necessarily, a, sorry to cut you off. No, there. no, no, not at all. I don't think it was necessarily a challenge. It just, it got to that point where we're writing technical stuff and we just, we felt this is an opportunity for us to almost have a fresh start in a sense from Frozen Eternity and we just wanted something heavier and faster. Uh, well, that's what we were doing naturally. So that transition, it just kind of happened, you know? And the name was so fitting for us, and we wanted that one word name, you know, like you have your Pantera, right, your right, Metallica, your Megadeth, you know, share. So <laughs> perfect, <laughs> Dawkins, baby. <laughs> there you go. Which, by the way, I've seen live, but oh, we, we won't we won't go that far back. So now the the EP you guys put out in uh, uh, 2014, the False Prophetic Roads. Mm -hmm. One thing that I'm always fascinated with is, first of all, the production value on that. And I'm, I'm no engineer or anything, but it was amazing. Everything from, from the album itself to the, uh, the lyric videos that you guys put together, all of that stuff, it, it just looks so top-notch. So is there a challenge from in the studio putting something together where you've got all the bells and whistles at your disposal, knowing that I'm going to have to get up on stage and play that at some point? Are, are you conscious of that as you're, as you're putting a new song, to get, not to get too inside baseball, <laughs> uh, but... I hear you. Um, yeah, and... and 
going from the transition from Frozen Eternity to Circaic, um, I think a lot of people that don't know that we come from Frozen Eternity, um, they just think this is a brand new band and whoa, everything's professional, professional artwork, professional recording. Just try to approach everything in a professional manner. And that's one thing we learned from Frozen Eternity, um, how to build that professionalism and do things correctly. Um, to transition it live, I don't know, man. I guess I'd have to leave, uh, leave that up to the person that's watching us. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, and even when I was writing the bass lines, because originally when I was brought back into the band, because like when I left Frozen Eternity and then um, they were looking for a bass player or something, and um, at the time, like uh, they brought me on to help out with some of the random graphic art stuff because like oh, gotcha. they, they actually paid for the actual album cover and the back cover but they needed like the book work they needed at the time the website you know things like that so that's when i initially got brought back in and i offered like hey i'll help out you know write the bass lines maybe record it or something if you need and then eventually just turn it to all right well you can just play bass for us again and um even writing those bass lines it was definitely some of the more complex bass lines like i always like even in frozen attorney like i was able to do you know tapping things slapping things stuff like that but it was a lot of basic stuff so like even the tap work it was always like just doing octaves or something like that um and then with this stuff it's like okay well i'm actually doing melodies and stuff and then there's parts where like we were gonna have like a keyboard do this lead over it and it's like well, actually, let's see how a bass would do instead for that. And we mess around with that. And it's like, well, that actually really fills it out pretty well and keeps the melody going there without a key part there and kind of almost works better. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, going back and it's like, crap, I actually have to learn all this and I have to get it down. You know, and that's one of the things I was kind of leading into, I guess. I mean, have you ever found yourself in the studio where you're kind of noodling around or something comes up in a song? And you're like, man, that sounds great. And then there's that little voice going, holy shit, I'm going to have to play this live in front of other people. I don't know if I can pull it off. That's, that's the whole idea of Circaic. It's everybody stepping on each other's toes, but in some sense we're trying to make it or keep it cohesive. <laughs> you know, um, it is, man. It's challenging for sure. Very but much so. that's the fun in it, you know. Yeah. We want to challenge ourselves and push each other. Like, you could play that, but you could play that faster. I mean, what do you think the, because again, I'm a, I'm a fan of this type of music. I mean, what do you think are some of the misconceptions musically about this type of music? Just hearing you guys describe sort of your writing process and how you're putting a song together, it's the same language I would imagine that, you know, an orchestra uses and that sort of thing. I mean, do you think there's a misconception that, and this sounds like a backhanded thing to say, but you guys aren't musicians? Well, I could definitely see that with like a lot of similar style bands where, and I would say it is a misconception where they're, you, you just think they're just randomly shredding, mindlessly doing things. Um, a lot of this stuff is like the reason it, you know, sounds good is because we know, you know, our music are, you know, enough of our theories and stuff like that. It's like, we know the scales we're supposed to be doing and all this and trying to figure out like, okay, well, we're not just going to be randomly, mindlessly, just constant, just blast it out, shred right. it out. It's like, no, it's, you know, there's a nice little melody going to it. There is a whole purpose, like each thing we're trying to have, have a part in the band and not just be um, the other thing where it's like everyone's just doing something just to do it. Right, And it's right. like, you know, everyone's trying to find their spot where it's like, okay, well, this fits here. And yeah, it might be a little complex, but it works. And that's why we want to do it. We won't, don't want to just do it just because 
you know, we want to show off or be complex or something. It's like, no, we want to do it because it sounds good there. And again, we're trying to push ourselves as musicians and trying to get to a higher level on what we're capable of. And so just trying to figure out where we can find that balance. And so it's like definitely a lot of like everyone in here has been doing music for years and years and years. And it's like, we know our stuff, you know? And so it's fun to be able to actually show that. Yeah. And it's like, you even look at classical stuff, you know, you look at the box and Beethoven's and stuff, they have crazy things in there right. where they're getting all overly complex and stuff. But again, it works and they found out their own way. And so that's what we're trying to find. Well, and it's almost like that jazz cliche where it's not the notes you play, it's the ones you don't. And so mm, finding that better. balance with you guys where all of you, you know, potentially could be a lead at any point, but knowing that, no, I, I need to step back. Mm -hmm. You know that way. That way, Josh can shine. I need to step back. That way, Mike. You know what I mean. That mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, is that a challenge for you as a band to be able to go dial it down here because this is going to be not at all? Because that's almost how we are. We we've embraced that. Usually, the writing style, how it goes, is I'll send the band a couple demos and stuff, and then they'll just either we'll come and to it's an agreement basically on, just rhythms for the most point yeah. it is a little bit of melody here and there and that'll give everybody enough room to move and by the time we come together and start showing each other well i'm thinking of this here i'm thinking of this here we agree on an arrangement it's just chaotic and all over the place cool let's do that tapping part cool let's do that sweet part you know let's yeah. do some blast beats and some clean vocals and we just embrace that at first we were a little like just a little over the top for some people, and then we're like, but we like it. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and a big thing with the band is, like, no one has an ego. Everyone's very humble about it. It's like, you know, someone says, tone it down. They'll be more than happy to tone it down. But for the most point, we already know beforehand, like, okay, I already know this would work here, and everyone else is already going to expect that it's going to work there. Um, versus, you know, everyone's trying to force their way in. Watch what I can yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone has enough of a humble stance on it. Like, we know it, what everyone else is capable of, and we want to make something good for everyone to be able to shine. Yeah. And everyone's good on seeing eye to eye on that. Well, to back up a little bit, for, for both of you individually, what is your musical background? Like, how did you get started on guitar and bass respectively and and you know what is your training if at all and and what did you play before you got into this type of you know kind of heavy and i don't know what the the label du jour is heavy doom <laughs> death whatever it is how did you get into this this music for me i started out on acoustic with one of my buddies and we were just i never really learned any anybody's songs it was always originals and so he was showing me a couple chords and you know we just wanted to try to form a band and we honestly did quite a bit of stuff, you know. We did some rock. We did an old '80s project called um, Radiation. Some nice old butt rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it totally ruled. And we, um, and then we, we kind of had this punk side to us, pop punk. So I've been exploring for a long time. Um, when I was in sixth grade, I believe that's when I started listening to a lot of the new metal, so to speak, like the Corn, Disturbed, Slipknot. You know, mm -hmm. that's just what that was the trend in, in middle school. Then you have some some of the kids that weren't into that. They were into the Metallica, the Pantera, and I'm like, whoa, this stuff's aggressive. And so Slipknot really got me into it, and it kind of evolved from there. When I heard Soil work for the first time, I was like, that's that's brilliant. That's beautiful. Yeah, you know. Now so. Soil work is that, that are they Swedish or am I getting that mixed up? They're with Swedish. It? They are okay. Yeah. Now what was it about um, Slipknot that resonated with you? Can you kind of put your finger on what it was about that Just band? Uh, that for, uh, the self-titled album, it, it was it was all over the place, you know, just uh, 
percussively uh, in, in the sense of vocals, how Corey Taylor was just all over the place. And I love that. And the band was so chaotic live. I just, I love that. And I think that kind of translates into Circaic in a sense. And then what was the first kind of formal band that you were in? Like where you actually got up on stage as, as a band and, and performed? I think it was probably Frozen Eternity. Yeah. I mean, it took a while for us to actually, because when Frozen Eternity first started out, it was just me and one other guy. And then it took us like a year or two to build a full lineup for us to play live. And then so. what was what was that experience like for you to be up there as a, as a band for the first time? That was a little nerve-wracking. <laughs> we played here, actually. Yeah. So uh, we have some footage. A little embarrassing, <laughs> but sometimes you just have to embrace <laughs> that, that kind of thing. So it's experience. Yeah. And, Michael, what about you? What's your... Um, basically, um, you know, ever since, like, even when I was in kindergarten, you know, I was always part of music classes. And then, like, fourth grade, um, I joined orchestra, learned the big old upright bass, um, so learning that through high school, and then I got my first bass guitar, and at the time, you know, same thing, I was like huge into bands like Korn and stuff like that, but I was also big into like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and nice. um, Primus and Mudvayne and stuff, so I was like always big on trying to find these bands that had like intricate bass playing, and um, so even, you know, stuff like Victor Wooten, but I'd never even attempt to play his stuff. Um, <laughs> So now, who, now who's that? I'm not familiar with. Uh, he's basically a solo bass player. He does like a lot of the double thumb slap stuff. So he does like these really crazy stuff that I don't think honestly would work really well in a band setting. But gotcha. like for solo work, it works amazingly well. Same with like uh, Jaco Pistorius and whatnot. Those solo bass guitarists. Have you seen that documentary yet? By the way, not yet. You know, I really want to see heard it. Good things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then um, I was like randomly jamming around with random people. Um, eventually got into my first show playing band called the Inarclits. They're a good old school punk band with all like the crazy mohawks and colors and <laughs> stuff like that. And so we were playing like uh, sketchy venues in Denver and things like that. And then, uh, you know, I was kind of floating around for a while. And then it was. Um, uh, I was starting my solo project um, with the guitarist that introduced me to Frozen Eternity, and once he joined, then two weeks later I joined, and so that was like the first time I was in like an actual properly serious band. Um, but at that point, at least I'd you know been able to been part of the the playing live scene and stuff like that. So at that point, I already kind of knew what was going on and was able to quickly become comfortable with it. Now, at what point for both of you did you realize that? This, I mean, I think kind of generically speaking, I've never been in a band, I've never performed music live or anything like that, but I think from the outside looking in, this is a tough business from, you know, kind of a pragmatic standpoint, making a living, all those sorts of things. At what point did you guys realize that this is what I'm going to be doing at some level in my life because this is what I have to do? When did that bug kind of bite you? I think I've just had it ever since I really picked up guitar and just i've had a burning passion ever since i'm just you know going day by day not trying to plan anything out but i just as long as i have that unconditional love for music i'm not going anywhere you yeah know? so yeah and it's pretty much the same for me it's like uh, as soon as i was able to switch over to bass guitar like i always loved playing music but once i was able to you know first start playing shows it was like damn i need to i need to get in on this like i really want you know whatever sacrifices need to be made um, I just need to find the right people to work with it and um, where they're actually going to push it and be able to get us to the next level. And I'm actually able to, you know, be an integral part of it and feel like, 
you know, I belong and, you know, all that good stuff. So it was just more of, you know, searching for that spot first. Right, right. But yeah, it was always pretty much on my mind. And it's like, I, I really want to get there one day. Now, it seems like <clears throat> with, with Circaic, like the branding and, and imaging part of it, there's been a lot of effort into that. Like I said, everything just looks so, and this sounds like a backhanded compliment, like it shouldn't be, but it looks so professional and so well put together. Do you guys enjoy that aspect of the Absolutely. band as well? I love that. I love going in and doing artwork, like when it's time to do that and piecing the lyrics together and, and bringing the vibe and the theme musically. And it's like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so stoked. I can't wait to see what this artist is going to come up with, you know? Uh, that whole process, I absolutely love it. Yeah, because it's pretty much the the artwork and the whole image you put out there is almost as important as the music itself. Right. Because you need a way to initially present yourself because people are going to judge a book by its cover. So you need to be able to, you know, have a good first impression on yeah. people before they check things out. And, and, and it kind of goes hand in hand with the music itself when you guys are composing a song. Is it the same type of dynamic when you're putting together, you know, kind of the artwork and the image that everybody has buy-in on that? Or is there somebody who kind of takes the lead in that a little bit more than... I think it's a little shared yeah. um, because uh, a lot of it, um, you know, initially comes, I think, probably from around Brian's lyrics, just figuring out the dynamics that he's going for with that and the themes. And then um, the next step is getting the actual official artwork for the for everything. And then that's where, you know, I was saying earlier, I came in and, you know, was doing like the booklet, things like that is like, you know, trying to keep a theme going and try to, you know, keep the integrity of the same level of quality with everything and trying to, and, it, and it's an art of its own, where it's like trying to figure out, you know, how to express this in a visual form. And it's like, even with the lyric videos, like um, I did our first one and then I did a random other one, and then but we got a uh, cloud music, I believe. right? Yeah, they did um, just one other. They did. Let's see, Beyond Recalibration. You yeah, did they did Beyond Polarity, and and then I did Polarity. Oh, and then Scott, uh, I think his name's Scott Rudd from the UK. He did the, the promo video for the Spewing of Venom. Okay. So we have a couple people all over the place, but yeah, and they've all done excellent work and you know, kind of keeping consistency going. Yeah, I do. But that's one thing I like about working with, you know, um, working with artists or other artists that are going to bring us that visual aspect. I like giving them the music and not too many ideas because I like to see their interpretation. Right, of right. What they're going to come up with. So that's always exciting. Now, when Circaic was coming together and you guys are in your rehearsal space and you're starting to put some stuff together and playing as a group, what, what was that? Did you individually have that moment where you're like eh, we could be onto something here this sounds pretty good i mean did you had do you recall having sort of that goosebumps kind of moment or because <laughs> this was, was it this would like, have been uh, right you know before like right after you know i was i left frozen attorney and right before coming into sir cake because it was during the in-between when they did that transition gotcha so. gotcha okay i don't think we really had that moment of you know the that epiphany or anything um I know the vocalist Brian and I would talk a lot about, dude, let's change the name. You know, we have so many new ideas <laughs> and let's just do it. And I guess there was this moment of clarity almost in, that was when Stuart was still in the band and we're all just standing in a circle. And this was like the beginning of 2012. You know, we just played our last show with Frozen Eternity. We wanted to record a new record. 
and we're thinking of a new name. And we started spinning these ideas around. Cody came up with Circadian or Circadia. We're like, that's really cool and fitting because the music's still really melodic. And when I listen to music, I see colors. When I see a name like Circadia, you know, I kind of start getting this melodic color, like something bright orange or or maybe even a pink or something. I don't know. It just, it just looks and sounds really melodic to me. So we juggled that around and... As far as I can remember, that's that. Yeah. <laughs> now, when you guys did release um, False Prophetic Roads, I did go online a little bit, and there were some really positive reviews from different metal blogs and things like that. Which you, is always awesome to hear. Yeah, I was going to say, were you guys tuned into that? And, and what is the significance of that when you you know, release something into the wild and people are like, yeah, that's good? That's an accomplishment, and I absolutely love that, but it's you know a double-edged sword if you have somebody that's, you know... I don't know about this band, <laughs> and they'll give you some pretty bad exposure. We've never really had any bad reviews, but there are some people that don't see eye to eye. To eye. Right, right. So, but it is, it's always... And for the most nice point, if they don't, it's just nitpicking, really. Uh, they'll just give a general overview where it's like, yeah, we really like it, but this or this or this. And it's really difficult to, to contact some of these, uh, some of the people that review, because they'll always have their biased opinion, which you got to be aware of. Yeah. You know, they can't just judge it for... You know, this is a good production. These guys are good musicians. You know, this is good. But if they're really going to go out of their way to nitpick it, then that's cool too. But at the same time, it's like we were always, you know, looking out, trying to, you know, any review we could find. And we we're, you know, finding random ones in like German or Norwegian or whatever. And, you know, it's always awesome, you know, just finding these out of the blue. And, you know, they really love it. And it's like exciting to us that. And it's like, well, other people are digging this. So yeah. it was always very awesome to see that. Well, and it's such a different world now with, you know, the, the connectivity that we've got globally where people in Germany and Norway can get their hands on your stuff the second you post it. Mm -hmm. So what is the, um, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but the, <laughs> you know, the, the process of, of releasing that album, I know that, you know, record sales and all those sorts of things are, are almost a thing of the past where it's not about that. It's about what you guys are going to be doing tonight, getting on stage for a live show, either selling merchandise or just making new fans, folks that are here to see Abigail Williams, all at once are going to walk out as Circaic fans. So what are the challenges for you in terms of, you know, what comes after False Prophetic Roads? Are you going to record another EP? And how do you kind of keep that momentum going? God oh. damn, that was long. <laughs> that was beautiful. Boy, well, <laughs> I'm going to cut all that out. <laughs> I'm like an idiot. Oh, uh, that's fine. <laughs> I love that. Well, we have uh, quite a bit of material written for the next album. Um, I've talked to Brian, our singer, about, you know, what he's doing lyrically. And when we were wrapping up False Prophetic Roads, we actually came up with an idea uh, for the title of the next album. It's going to be a full length. And like I said, we have a handful of demos that we've been juggling around for like two years now. Some stuff that we didn't put on False Prophetic Roads. And, you know, we just wanted to leave that an EP, you know, to kind of get us out there at the moment. So the next step would be recording a full length. So. Yeah. And is it really just about you know, having that product. So when you go on stage, you've got new material that, that your fans can listen to. Again, I don't want to harp on the business aspect of it, sure. but you know, back in the day when Metallica would release an album, it was an event and people would go and buy it and buy it. And it was and also, it ended up being so like once every year or two. Right. As right. Well. I mean, so do you feel more pressured that you have to continually be creating new material that you can get out? We just do it when we feel creative, you know, we don't want to feel forced to write or anything like that. And really it's just, 
for myself, I always, you know, I rarely have writer's block. And I know since I said that, it's probably going to happen for like a year now. <laughs> You're welcome. You're so, um, and also with us, we only really have six, seven songs to choose from. So when, it, when you bring that live, you can't overplay the same city too often because we've already played those songs. So in a sense, yeah, we do need a little bit more material, you know. But at the same time, it's also very exciting, like, you know, to make new material and right. figure out where we're going next. Yeah. And, you know, just to create a bigger arsenal, it's like a very exciting thing. And it's like, you know, it's like, don't want to just be stuck with like, okay, well, we came up with this awesome album that we all love, but we want to make more awesome albums and just keep upping ourselves and keep making it keep evolving yeah you know and it's like you know it kind of sucked to be like necrophages and have one album to play for the next 15 years you know (laughs) it would suck man so now the i I don't get outside of the colorado springs area in terms of doing the podcast and i know the black sheep is sort of a, a focal point in town for the you know the hard rock heavy metal scene do you think that is that colorado springs is unique because it seems like there's a really strong metal community here not only just the caliber of bands but also the sort of interconnectedness of the bands where they have players that are in common and things like that Mm -hmm. in your experience whatever that might be is that unique to colorado springs do we have a unique heavy scene it might be um i definitely know it's i think just because we're that kind of awkward where we're not big enough city but we're not small right and so everyone's like okay well we know these other guys and everyone wants to get to know each other and we want to make a big scene out here and you know get the spotlight out here or because we don't want to just be like okay well we have to go to denver or you know somewhere else big just for anything good to happen and it's like no we want to make it happen here so a lot of guys end up you know interconnecting you know all the networking stuff like that and you get you know people sharing members between bands, stuff like that. And, you know, everyone's just trying to, you know, bring out the best of the Springs. Like we, I think a big thing, just like a Colorado thing is everyone has a big pride thing about being a Coloradan. Yeah. And I think it's a big thing even for Colorado Springs people is it's a huge thing where it's like, well, I'm from the Springs and I take pride in that and, you know, all these different things going on. So I think it translates same with the metal scene. Like a lot of these people, I think almost all of these people have you know, all been Colorado natives as well and stuff like that. So it's like a whole thing of you know, everyone just having pride in what we have to offer and everyone just being cool people and stuff like that. I think a lot of the bands are uh, some of these bigger bands like Havoc, Legion, um, they're really putting Colorado on the map too. So it's, it's interesting, man. Yeah, Colorado. and it was cool when Havoc came through. I got to meet with uh, Nick, their kind of new bass player right and now they're on tour with megadeth and kind of getting that exposure and, and so to me awesome. that's the success story of bands like you where the more you play the more exposure you're getting those opportunities will kind of present mm-hmm. themselves and that you know i think would be the exciting part of playing the black sheep on a on a monday night yeah you know it's like hey this is part of the plan i got to get up on stage and just keep doing it so. mm-hmm. right and yeah. it's it's nice to share a stage with bands like abigail williams you yeah know? just bands that we've listened to for a long time so it's part of putting your name out there. Very cool. Yeah, and even playing with, you know, I've never played with 1862 or Ice King, and, you know, I got to meet them earlier, and it's awesome just to meet people I actually haven't even heard of before, and then finding out, I was like, oh, you're part of the scene too, and it's like, it's just growing and growing and growing, <laughs> and so it's just, it's just, it's really just nice just to keep getting out there yeah. and just being passionate about it. 
Very cool. Well, Josh, Michael, I know you guys are playing here in just a couple minutes. So one last quick question. What do you have uh, on the horizon? What does 2016 look like for... Uh, God, I screwed up the name. Circaic? Yes. <laughs> At least one. This is going really well. There's so much editing It's a Monday, man. Yeah, it's right? a Monday. Uh, so what does Circaic have coming up that you guys are excited about? You know, any... Uh, you know any announcements any things that you're you got brewing we have a couple shows um that we haven't quite confirmed yet and like i said then we're going to jump straight into recording see if we can you know it's probably going to be a 2017 thing you know it's going to be a while before we can get it out because we are so particular like when it comes down to recording nope that wasn't it and then we have to sit on the part for like months and we're like nope i hated that yeah (laughs) so that's going to be a long process. We're going to be recording. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, guys, best of luck. I appreciate your time and uh, have a great set. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you, you very cool. much. Thanks, guys. So there you have it, Josh and Michael from Colorado Spring Zone, Circaic. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Circaic, C-I-R-C-A-I-C. The track you heard at the top of the episode is entitled The Spewing of Venom from their 2014 EP, False Prophetic Roads, which you can find on iTunes. My thanks to Josh and Michael for hanging out before their gig at the Black Sheep. Thanks to Jeremy and the great folks at the Black Sheep for their continued support. Check out blacksheeprocks.com for the latest lineup of killer shows coming your way. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. If you've listened to the podcast and think it doesn't suck, take the time to give it a positive review on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast media. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the springs.